What is up, people? You are listening into New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We have a great show lined up for you guys today because it is super, super wild card weekend in the NFL. So we'll be breaking down all of the big games happening with the NFL playoffs, the beginning of the NFL playoffs. That is very exciting for us as we've been going through what I thought was, at some times, a kind of a miserable season given how many miserable teams that were out there that were still competing for playoff spots, given the fact that my Jets personally uh, fell apart at the end of the season. Now that we're kind of uh, away from a lot of those mediocre teams, now we just have playoff football uh, ahead of us and, and as we, we, we we're on the road now to the Super Bowl. Really exciting stuff, so we'll break down Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll also talk about the NFL coaching carousel because there are coaches that were handed the pink slip this uh, this weekend and on Black Monday. So we'll give you guys an update on those uh, coaching openings and some of the early rumblings we're hearing out of these coaching interviews that are happening. And we will talk about that national championship game, uh, if you want to call it a game, because it was it was nasty. It was uh, it was a blowout. It was a rout. Um, it was a slaughter, if you ask me. Georgia just absolutely demolished TCU in a game that I think that. TCU getting blown out, I don't think it was that surprising, but I think just the manner and the 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 uh the absoluteness, if that's a word, of Georgia's dominance in that game, I think was a little surprising. So we'll talk about that as well. So plenty to get to on this football episode of New Generation Sports Talk. Joining me is my co host, Shamari Stewart. Sham, uh just like my Jets are sitting at home, uh your Packers also sitting at home quite uh, a, a quite a wild scene in Lambeau uh, last week with the Packers having a chance to win and be in and unable to get it done. They lose to the Lions. Lions pretty much talked all week saying that they were going to come in and punch Green Bay in the mouth. That is exactly what they did. And you saw Aaron Rodgers walking off Lambeau Field arm in arm with Randall Cobb. And you do wonder, is this the end for Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform? Yeah, I mean, definitely not. In inspiring performance, though, I think that the season ended better than I thought it would. So not so not too doom and gloom, but um, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's done. I certainly don't think he's done. He, his play this season, the way he was talking this season, just didn't give me that impression. Now, of course, he could say different things in the offseason that will give me an opposite impression. But um, but just he seemed he seemed locked in. You know, he seemed locked in. He's, it seemed like he was he was dialed in. He was really trying to get this team going, and it just and they just weren't going. <laughs> you know, for or for enough of the season, they weren't going. And um, and some of it's his fault. You know, I mean, he didn't have as good a season as he normally does. So, um, yeah, it kind of is what it is. Not much, not much else to say. Just looking at next season, looking at the draft, looking at you know free agency and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's done. I, I, I would be, um, I mean, I wouldn't be floored if he retired or anything like that, but, but I'd be a little surprised because it seemed like he, especially since, especially towards the end of the season, it seemed like things were looking a little bit better in terms of our outlook as opposed to earlier in the season. So yeah, I don't, I don't think he's done. First of all, uh, Pleasantly surprised at, at Shamari's measured approach at the end of the Packers season. I thought you'd be a little more in shambles than uh than you are given how uh confident you were last week going into this game being a win or go home situation 
But uh, we are. It is Thursday. I didn't. We not recording this podcast on Monday. Maybe Monday. Monday we got a different sham in that regard. So so that there's that point there. But the the Aaron Rodgers thing, and I hate to be this guy because I, I really don't want to be the you know every time Rodgers on something I got to hate on him thing. I, I I try not to really talk about him that much, quite frankly, because I don't want to be that guy. But because I agree with everything you said that. It's unlikely he's going to be anywhere else but Green Bay Packers uh, in a Green Bay Packers uniform playing for the Green Bay Packers. I just thought that that scene was uh, extremely fugazi by Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think some of it was like, this is going to sound harsh. I don't want to say he was like consciously trying to cover up another pathetic, terrible performance in a big game in Lambeau Field by kind of like making it a big deal that he may be walking away. But it sure did feel that way. Like to me, the story of that game, watching that game, and I watched that entire game, to me was either one, the Lions, and like, wow, like is this a franchise that has finally crawled out of the doldrums of just uh, ineptitude? And now are they now a franchise to be reckoned with moving forward? I mean, they certainly comported themselves so well in that spot in a game that they, they they technically had nothing to play for. And then second was, here we go again. Aaron Rodgers, a big game at Lambeau Field that they got to win, and he's throwing picks all over the place, and he can't get on the same page with the receivers, and all the stuff he talked about weeks in, weeks coming up in this game, how his team was playing so much better. And in that game where you kind of expect, okay, with the way the Packers are playing, with the way Aaron's confidence is, you would think that they're going to just blow these guys out. And it was another... Sorry performance. So when I see him still in the, uh, I don't want to give up my jersey, Jameson Williams. I might want to keep this one. You never know what's going to happen. And, oh, come here, Randall Cobb. Let's wait for the camera. Man, to come behind me. Let's walk slowly off the field. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, come on, man. Like, there's they, they can't trade. They really can't trade you. Um, They can't cut you. Uh, Not that they would want to. But trading you is very hard because of the, the salary cap responsibilities that come with the trade. Because of the crazy contract that you signed last offseason, they can't really, they're not going to cut you. I don't think they want to anyway, but even if they could, they're not going to cut you because of the salary cap ramifications. And, I mean, are you really going to retire? Like, is that really going to happen? I, I, that that seems impossible to, to think about to me. So, I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I did not care for Aaron Rodgers in that scene at Lambeau Field. I, I was expecting a great performance because that's just what everybody kept telling me. And to get that sorry performance and then have him do this whole charade of, well, maybe I might retire and let me take a slow walk off the field and look up in the crowd, you know, you know, you know teary-eyed almost. Like, I mean, come on, man. Stop it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, it was – I mean, at this point, it's like you can't really expect anything else from Aaron at this point. You know, the season's over. And I mean, I'm already buckled up for whatever he's, he's whatever he's gonna say or do during the off season. I'm not even I'm not even gonna pretend like it's gonna be a smooth off season. It's gonna be another off season of speculation and will I, won't I? I don't know, you know. And you know, is he immunized? Is he not? I don't know. What does that mean? You know, I don't know. I don't know what the heck to expect this off season. So you know. I, I just yeah, I just, but to I, me like, and I agree. And to me, like, this was the beginning of the foolishness. Like, you, you couldn't even get off the field without starting the foolishness. Like, like you're exactly right. And like, look, you're a Green Bay Packers fan, so I think that knowing who, who Aaron Rodgers is and having that 
that disposition is probably best for your, you know, sports mental health and your well-being. I think as an average sports fan who's not a Packer fan, who's just looking at it from a macro sense, uh, again, you kind of just roll your eyes. You're like, oh, God, here we go. Here come the dramatics. Here come the will he or won't he, you know, and, and, and he's going to try to extort him out of more money this time. Like, what's, what's he going to do this time? Like, it's, uh, I just, the team, you got your ass kicked. You didn't show up. Shake everybody's hand and walk with the field. Like, I, I, I did not, if this guy comes back after what he did on Sunday, I'm just going to be highly annoyed. I'm like, really, you did all that? You, you couldn't give poor Jameson Williams the damn jersey? Because you're like, I don't know if this is going to be my last game. We all know it's not your last game. And if it's not, I will sit here and say I was a jackass on this podcast for saying that Aaron Rodgers was not going to retire. But no one thinks he's going to retire. Like, no one thinks that. And, like, it got floated during the week, and he talked about, yeah, well, you know, you never know. Like, when he said that, I was like, oh, here we go. He's like, he's like, I feel he's setting up. He was setting up for, like, what happened. That, like, if he lost, like, what we were going to talk about was going to be, well, will he retire? Instead of... Man, he came up small again in a big game at Lambeau Field. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't really disagree with anything you say. You know, I mean, it it <clears throat> it kind of is what it is, and you know, I would even say, I mean, I think it, it's even possibly uh, not necessarily pulls up Brady, but if he even did say he retired, maybe he changed his mind. I don't know. I mean, I've. We all know he's kind of he's probably going to go somewhere, some mountain somewhere, and you know meditate and take you know natural oils and get another crazy <laughs> tat or something like that. I mean, we all kind of know we all kind of know what to expect at this point because last season was such a circus. It's like we kind of know what the routine is. Going to go on McAfee. He's going to say a lot of kind of uh, he's not really going to speak straight, you know, and going to insinuate a lot of things, and then we'll be speculating for another three weeks. But I mean, at the end of the day, we we know he's going to be back. He's going to be playing football, and he's going to be playing football for the Packers. And you know, I feel like for him to retire, he's going to have to be like, like beaten into retirement. And when I say beaten, I mean as in like, like a three and eleven, three and ten, or he just, or even if the team wins, is in spite of him, like clearly, you know. Yeah, and I think you make a good point, like, like, and. and if there's anything that would make giving me pause about maybe a retirement is that maybe he does look at his vision and say, look, I, th- this ownership I had at this division, that's not, that's not the case anymore. Like, could mm-hmm. he say, maybe I own them dudes in Chicago, but them other teams, no, I've, I have relinquished ownership from them or it's been taken <laughs> from me because them dudes in Minnesota are different now. And them dudes in Detroit are definitely different now. Could he sit there and say, okay, this easy path to just, Walking through the NFC North is not there, so do I want to like try to like rally these young guys and get them in the kind of shape needed to actually compete against now two plausible playoff contenders? That would maybe be the one thing I could say. Okay, if he, he came up to that, he came to that conclusion. I wouldn't even be mad at him if that's what the conclusion he came to. But this will the win, and I don't know if I want to like. I don't believe that. Like the, like Shamari, like you said, his team. Like, he has a good team. Like. Yep. And they became a good team. They didn't. They weren't a good team to start the year. But we saw over the course of the season that you said, okay, this team had a lot of growing to do, but there there are semblances of pieces here. One more offseason, they added a veteran here or there. The veterans they added this offseason did not work. You added a veteran here and there. These other young guys develop. 
and you're probably you're probably back in the playoffs. I mean, the Seahawks made the playoffs this year. The Giants made the playoffs this year. Like, there are some teams that I'm just almost penning in that will not be in the playoffs next season. So it's like he's going to really pass up all that because uh, of this game. Like, I, I that just I, I, that just seems in, incomprehensible to me, which is why that whole charade he pulled on Sunday was incomprehensible. I did not expect this to be an Aaron Rodgers bashing segment for me, but um, I guess I've been holding that in because I, I really did not understand all the, the, the theatrics that were happening on Sunday. Um, but Aaron Rodgers did did lose. Uh, he probably listened to this would just say. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. He's probably telling me to relax. I'm probably going, making more of this than it is, but I just couldn't stand what I saw. Anyway, let's get to uh, the NFL playoffs, which kicks off. Yes, right. NFL playoff football is here. Playoffs? That's right, Jim Moore. Playoff football is back. So we're getting ready for an action-packed weekend of super wildcard football. The action begins Saturday with the 49ers hosting the Seahawks in Santa Clara in the afternoon, followed by the Jaguars and the Chargers in Duval on Saturday night. Then when we get to Sunday, we have a triple header. The Dolphins, who will be without Tua Tungavailova because he has not cleared concussion protocol, will be traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Bills had a very emotional win over the Patriots that knocked the Patriots out of playoff contention and allowed the Miami Dolphins to get into playoff contention by winning their game against the Jets. So uh, essentially the Dolphins can thank the Bills for getting them into the postseason, but um, they may be just walking into um, – uh, a, a beatdown if they're going to go in there without their starting quarterback, obviously. So we'll see that matchup in the afternoon. Dolphins, Bills. Then you got Giants, Vikings in Minnesota. Then the nightcap, you have the Ravens, and you have another quarterback situation happening that's very fascinating. Lamar Jackson, who took to Twitter on Thursday to talk about how he, yes. he, he is, his knee is not stable and he has – a grade two borderline gate grade three MCL sprain, which if you know anything about grade sprains, with, especially with knees, a grade three sprain is almost like he got a torn MCL. Like that's, that's basically what it is. So he's saying he, he essentially has a torn MCL, which it, right, it, I, I thought he said PCL or PCL. I'm PCL. sorry, sorry, PCL. You're right. Yeah, my bad. Thank you for that correction. Torn PCL. So if you know anything about that, you know. Okay, if you got a torn PCL, then he he ain't playing anytime soon. So what's interesting is. The coaching staff, John Harbaugh, he has not ruled out Lamar Jackson, even though he didn't practice on Thursday. Are they on the same page? Is this John Harbaugh trying to play coy with the Bengals? You would think that all that would have went out the window with Lamar going to Twitter and saying, look, I, my knee's not stable. So I, I don't know what's going on there. That's a fascinating situation to watch. Um, but the Ravens, with or without Lamar Jackson, will be in Cincinnati once again to play the Bengals, just like they were last week um, in the season finale against the Bengals. And then on Monday Night Football, Tom Brady leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Cowboys. So plenty of tasty action on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I want to ask Shamari, which game do you look at and you say this has the best chance to be an upset out of all these games? Uh, let's see. Best chance to be an upset? Uh... So, so it's so there's a couple. So honestly, it's very close to me between the Jags and Chargers, hmm. which where you're saying uh, the Jags can pull <laughs> off an upset. Where, where the Jags beat the Chargers? Yes. Gotcha. Okay, I know they're the higher seed, but we we know they have a worse record. 
Yeah, yeah. The Jag where the Jags beat the Chargers. I, you know, and um, I think the Bucks and Cowboys. I guess um, though. Again, both both. I don't know. Both of those scenarios. I mean, depends on how much you consider it an upset. I mean, Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. Um, so I don't know if people would consider that an upset. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just talking to someone yesterday that said, oh, Brady's de- definitely going to win. He's never lost to the Cowboys. I definitely think he's going to win. I think it's obvious he's going to win. I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people think it's obvious. People think it's clear that Brady's going to win because he's just never lost. And I, I think it's a combination of, you know, the Cowboys also. Are and the Cowboys. Cowboys look terrible. Yeah. In the last game. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, so I think definitely those two, um, though I would say I, w- I would be more sure of probably of Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville, um, you know, even though Trevor Lawrence's last performance wasn't great, I think he's played well enough. I think he, I think he's, I think Peterson has done well enough. He's been, he's done an amazing job, um, this season coaching this team. I think they'll be ready. Um, I don't know if. Uh, you know, Staley and Herbert and the Chargers and are going to be ready. Um, they're extremely dangerous. They're they're hot as well. Um, but I mean, we gonna see. All right. Um, uh, we we shall see. I think this is going to be like uh, in uh, this is, I think this is low key going to be a heavyweight fight right here. I think this, I think this is going to go back and forth, maybe even high scoring. I think this is going to be a very fun game. Um, but I think the Jazz can take that. Interesting. So you feel like this is actually going to be a really competitive game between these two teams as well, not just maybe an upset. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I think, yep. Yeah, I mean, well, number one, Mike Williams is uh, not doing well for the for the Chargers. He did not practice on Thursday. Mm. He's dealt with, he left the game with a back injury on Sunday. They deemed it back spasms, and, you know, back spasms can be a little random but uh he was not in good shape leaving last week he's not practiced at all this week it's the playoffs so and he just got paid so i'll assume he'll try to give it a go i just have no idea what mike williams is at this point which is a a big blow for a Chargers team that's been decimated by injuries all year if mike williams is not 100 percent uh that makes them a little bit more vulnerable the only reason why I, I won't go there is because of what I saw from Trevor Lawrence last week. Like, to me, he wasn't just like, oh, like, you know, I, I had a little nerves. And, and I like, to me, he was awful in that game. Now, he hasn't played awful of late. That was kind of like a blip in the trend if you're talking about how he's played recently. But we know playoff football is a different intensity. And last week, he got a little taste of it. I did not like what I saw from him. Now, it's not like he's playing against the 85 Bears in terms of a defense. Uh, the Chargers have a, a decent defense, but, you know, again, they're another team that's suffered from injuries. But they do got some veterans. I think they got some guys who, who could take advantage of, of Trevor Lawrence in this situation. Um, they still got Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., corner. We know what Joey Bosa has been in his career. So I, I'm going to stay away from that one. It's an interesting game. I, I don't the, – the, the, the wise money is probably never bet on the Chargers in the postseason, even though, of course, I started this podcast this season, as you know, Shamari, picking the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. So here we are. Um, and I'm telling you, I don't bet on these guys. Yes. But the the good money is probably to never bet on the Chargers going from one coast to the other on a road game in a game that people assume they should win. So 
that worries me. But Trevor Lawrence maybe worries me a little more. I'll be honest. I'm looking at these games this week, Sham. I don't necessarily see big upsets. Like, and, you know, anybody who does gambling or anybody who follows this stuff knows that you're a fool if you just think that you're going to have home teams just win out in wildcard weekend. It's always one, two, maybe even three teams who lose, especially since Super Wildcard Weekend began. But I'm just looking, and it's like, okay, I told you why I'm not in on the Chargers. I mean, excuse me, on the Jaguars as much. Though I think I do agree, I think it will be a good game. Dolphins write them off. I don't know who's playing quarterback. Whoever they're playing quarterback won't be good enough to play against to be Buffalo. Uh, so that you write them off. Bengals, Lamar Jackson's not playing. Right off the Ravens, no chance that that's going to be an upset. So like, though, and those to me, those are two like interesting. Those would have been interesting games had those teams had their starting quarterbacks. Yep. But without them, like, those teams have no chance. It's built of Bengals. So that's like almost the whole conference I'm throwing out just on just a technicality. And then the other teams, the, the Jaguars. And I'm like, all right, well, so the AFC, not loving it. Then I go to the NFC. People are really high on the Giants-Vikings. I understand it. But I, I just get worried the Vikings, like, have had enough of, like, people just saying how, like, mid they are. And they're going to go against a team that is nowhere near as talented as them. And if they play to their standard, they should beat the Giants by, like, two and a half scores. Maybe three scores. Like, I'm being serious. Like, if they do what they're supposed to do now, some of that has to do with how they'll play defensively. They can start to run a little bit, but their problem has been their secondary is awful, which is great news for them because they're playing against the worst wide receiving core maybe in in the NFL in the New York football Giants. So the Giants aren't – they're not going to run away from them. So to me, it feels like how will the Vikings handle uh, Wink Martindale's defense for a second time after seeing them earlier this year? I think they'll probably be a little more comfortable than they were in their first go-around. The first go-around, we saw that it was a little bit of a seesaw battle. It was a very good game. The Vikings won late. I, I tend to think the Vikings will maybe surprise people and kind of dominate the Giants this weekend. But that's maybe an unpo- unpopular opinion. Kind of A lot of people like the, the Giants uh, in that game. Then we go to the Seahawks and 49ers. I want to believe in the Seahawks, but the Seahawks have had too many injuries, I think, of late. Um, to, for me, I think to, to, to really buy into them, being able to go on the road against a division opponent and beat them. I will say it is a division game. So that always still kind of, you know, piques my interest because whenever you have a team playing someone three times, especially when one team is lost twice, which I believe the Seahawks did lose to the 49ers in both matchups. Uh, yes, they did. And they got beat fairly convincingly in both games. It's hard to beat any team in the NFL three times. So, I, 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 the game interests me, but I don't think it's enough because of the injury to Jordan Brooks, who is, is out for the year. Uh, he got injured, injured in that Jet game. Uh, you're going to need all hands on deck on that defense, especially because of how physical the, the, the 49ers offense is, especially their, their running game, whether it's, uh, you know, Debo running the ball or Christian McCaffrey. Like, you know, they, they, you, 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 Jordan Brooks is the exact kind of player you need for a game like this. So, not to have him is crushing. So, interesting. I think it's a little more interesting than people think, considering it's Brock Purdy playing in the playoffs against a secondary that can take the ball away from you. But I'm still not going to jump to say I'm going to take that game. So then I get to, okay, now I'm down to a couple more games here. We're running out of games here. We're at the last one now, right? It's Cowboys and Bucks, And it pains me to say, Sham, because I 
I said all year that there was, I just did not believe in the Buccaneers. I thought that they were frauds. I thought that they were not good. I kind of still don't think they're a good team. But of this litany of games that's there, I, they're my pick. That's the team I would say uh, I think would be most likely to have an upset because the Dallas Cowboys are playing exactly how you want to play to lose games in the playoffs recently. Um, they're turning the ball over. They're not uh, taking care of the little things. They're, uh, they're also battling injuries. I don't know how healthy Tony Powell is at this point. He was running the ball so well earlier this year. He doesn't look the same. Uh, they don't look like the team that we saw maybe, uh, you know, you know, weeks ago when they beat Philly, uh, or, you know, even earlier than that, when they trounced in the Indianapolis or beat the Giants on Thanksgiving, like that team looked like a team that could win the Super Bowl. The team I saw against Jacksonville, the team I saw against Washington, that team looks like a first round exit. So uh, that's the one for me. I know I kind of did a long soliloquy there, but when I, when I go through these games, like, the the Buccaneers get behind on everybody. So I expect the Cowboys to get ahead. But what worries me is the Cowboys don't play the kind of football that makes me convinced that they could put anybody away. And that's the worst thing you could be against this Buccaneers team particularly. Because Tom Brady is really only exclusively won games this year essentially come from behind. Uh, like normally, they, you know, like they're not going to blow out the Cowboys. Like they don't play that way. They, they're not, I don't think they're good enough to blow out the Cowboys. But if this game is still, you know, 20 to 10 in the third quarter, fourth quarter, or 17 to 7 in the fourth quarter, I would be extremely nervous about Dallas Cowboy fan because you know Dak could turn over any moment, and you know Tom Brady could turn it on as soon as they go into that no huddle offense. And we know how McCarthy can screw up. And there's McCarthy, right. <laughs> Late in the game with some time management, you didn't call a timeout or called a timeout, and people are scratching their heads wondering what the heck is going on. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and now the, one of the reasons why I haven't bought into the Bucks at all this season has been Todd Bowles. Now, <laughs> I believe this is Todd Bowles' first playoff game as a head coach. So he has had a miserable season as a head coach. I'm actually curious, and I know we're going to talk about coaching carousels in a little bit. I'm actually curious if this job comes available regardless of what happens uh, in this playoff run. Particularly, it would make more sense if they lose this game. Um, cause he has, he, the first year has been rough in, in Tampa for Todd Bowles. So that, that would, that would give me pause, but man, I, you know, you, you gotta get the devil his due. Like Tom Brady has been an absolute dog when the game has been on the line and this, his team has been from coming from behind in the fourth quarter. He's done it against some bad teams, but right now the Cowboys are playing like a bad team. So <laughs> it would not shock me at all if they found a way to, to pull that upset off. Of these teams, Sham, that are playing in Wild Card Weekend, who do you think has the best chance to go all the way to a Super Bowl? Because typically speaking, especially now with the, the super expanded Wild Card, where now only two teams in the whole NFL get a bye, it's very likely there's going to be one, maybe even two teams who are representing the AFC and NFC uh, who played this Wild Card Weekend. Uh, the best chance, I I would say um, Cincinnati. Um, and that's probably that's not like you mm. know a, Cincinnati, okay. Uh, it's not, I know it's not probably not like a sexy pick or whatever because they got to the Super Bowl last year. Um, but I mean, they just they look they look fantastic. Um, they look great. They do look great. They look fantastic. They they look. Joe's locked in. Chase is locked in. All these all these guys. T Higgins. Their defense looks great. Their team looks great. You know, 
and they look just as good, if not better, than they did last year. And, um, you know, they're going to be even hungrier now. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Bengals, I think the Bengals have a very good chance of getting to the Super Bowl, honestly. Yeah, the Bengals, the Bengals look serious. I, I can't lie. The Bengals look serious. They, uh, they are hitting all cylinders. Joe Burrow, the guy is just a, he just oozes superstar. <laughs> like, like some guys are just like, you watch, look at that guy. He's like, that guy's a superstar athlete. Joe Burrow, he's, he is him. Um, and so, and, and what I, what I love about the team is just how much confidence they're playing with. You know, Joe Mixon this week saying once again that he's not taking yes. back his comments about them being the big dogs of the AFC. And I don't think he should. Like, to me, the Bengals are a dominant team. Like, I don't care that there are other, two other teams that have a better record. To me, that's more of the Bengals not really knowing who they were to start the season where the offensive line was still gelling and didn't know um, um, exactly exactly what they were doing. Now, even though they had a, a, a bad injury, you know, not having uh, Leo Collins is, is going to be a, a problem potentially in the postseason. I don't think it'll be a problem against the Ravens. Maybe it becomes a problem against the Chiefs in that pass rush. But, like, the Bengals, besides that, it's, like, scary how there's really nothing you can say about how the Bengals are playing. Like, they look that good. You know, we, you know the Bills, we, we, we've seen, you know, they have this whole thing with with, with, uh, with, with, um, with DeMar. Um, so, like, yeah, they, they, you know, obviously the Bengals were on that field, but, of course, that was their teammate. So Hamlin and, and his uh, his recovery, which, by the way, sounds like it's still going great, which is great news. Um, shout out to mm-hmm. him. Let me give him a round of applause. We uh, do not care. Oh, no, that, that is not what I wanted to say. Not Mike Tomlin. Sorry Careful. about that. Yeah, no, we do care. We love DeMar Hamlin. And uh, that's what happened when you're trying to scramble and not prepared. But, um, but yes, give him another round of applause. Shout out to DeMar Hamlin. Taken from the Cincinnati Hospital. I believe now he's in the Buffalo Hospital, but getting great care, getting better every day. So that was good. So, yeah, um... So, but because of that, and I think we saw in that Patriots game, they won that game with those those miracle, you know, kickoff returns by Naeem, uh, Naeem Hines. Like, you want to talk mm-hmm. about something that's from a movie. Like, that was from a movie, what happened in that game. But you kind of saw they, they didn't look quite as sharp. And when you're a team that's playing with that much emotion and you've dealt with that much trauma, I just don't know if I can really say, okay, that's a team I know can go, go ahead and go to the through ball. Like they got the talent to do it, but they just been through a lot. I mean, if they did, um, that'd be so crazy. That'd be like yeah. something out of a movie. Yeah, and I think I don't know. Did we talk about it last? I, I can't remember because I, I do so many shows now. Where I don't know if it was with you, if I was talking on CBS Sports Radio, but I kind of feel like the Bengals having that whole ordeal where they didn't know if they'd get home field in the in the first round because of the coin flip situation. I I, I told a friend at CBS Sports, I think that that was a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Because, number one, they were also on that field with DeMar Hamlin. And they saw mm-hmm. what happened, and they dealt with that trauma. And while the, the, the Bills remain immersed in that situation, I think the NFL doing that whole, we may give you a coin flip and you may not get a home game, actually allowed the Bengals to actually shift their attention away from the trauma they dealt with into a feeling of being slighted, which is what we heard. Zach, Zach Taylor, that Joe Burrow, that whole team—they were like, "What the hell is this? How do we have? How do we win the division? And we got to play on the road potentially." And I think you, mm-hmm. you saw them take that frustration out on Baltimore, and they beat the crap out of them. 
I think you'll probably see them beat the crap out of them again. I think that they're now kind of really way removed now from what happened. Um, and I think that their focus will be probably more more on football than the Bills will be probably still. So uh, so I actually thought that that was a blessing in disguise for them. That actually allowed them to kind of shift their focus away from just like talking about Tamar Hamlin and everything that happened to Tamar Hamlin. And all of a sudden they had like this thing they had to go out and prove to people. And I think that's why you saw them look like the more sharper team between the Bills and the uh, Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a good point as well. Um, you know, they're definitely very charged up. And, yeah, I don't think it's it's hard for me. I, they're not going to be – I don't see any team. I don't see any team, not the Chiefs, not the Bills, nobody. I don't see any team that's like, oh, man, yeah, they're going to be – you know, they're going to be – that's a bad matchup. They're going to they're gonna be in trouble here. Like, no. No, with none of these teams. Um, so I think they're definitely the team to watch. Um, you know, like I said, even though they were on that field, <laughs> you, you know, I, I think they're still and, locked in. And, man, their defense, which really we saw kind of start to come together uh, mm-hmm. last year, it's like gotten better. Yep. Uh, Lou yep. Anarumo, who, uh, to me, like, I don't know how people are knocking down this door. We're talking about coaching coaches soon. I don't know how people are knocking down this guy's door to be an NFL head coach. Um, the defense that he's built, they, they they got studs on every part of their defense. The edge rushers, the inside guys, the linebacking core, the corner. Uh, I don't know what the corners got. Eli Apple ain't that great. But the secondary, the safeties as a whole, they I mean, they got dudes everywhere, man. I mean, the defense is good. The skill players are sick. You know, the only the only weakness is the kind of the offensive line, and even they're starting to get their act together. So, you know, I mean, could – they the offensive line just fall apart one of these games maybe, but I, I think I think you're right. I think if I had to pick one team that say is a, is a favorite uh, of these teams to make a Super Bowl run, I think I'd pick them because the other teams you're looking at you're probably again I mentioned why I wouldn't go with Buffalo. Minnesota runs a little too hot and cold. The 49ers are starting Brock Purdy, and that's just the one thing that is still gonna hold me from saying yep they're definitely gonna be the team that can get to the Super Bowl because. Maybe we've never seen a Mr. Irrelevant come into a season midway and take his team to a Super Bowl. Now, this is the one scenario where you think if there's any chance this could work, this is it. You got the best offensive line. You got some of the best skill players. You got the best defense. You got the best play caller. It's like, okay, this is definitely your insert quarterback here team. So if there's any team that's going to figure out, figure this thing out with, a guy like Brock Purdy, it's the 49ers, but I got to see it to believe it, I think. Especially for me to say they had a better chance to get there than the Bengals right now. Um, we did talk about Lamar Jackson briefly. What do you think is going on with this Lamar Jackson thing? I I really, and for a long time, I was probably the last holdout. I, this is definitely a G-Wiz EJ moment. I had been the last holdout in saying that, oh, let's hold thing like Lamar on his knee. I don't think there's any friction with the organization or anything i think they're just trying to get him back to health and when he gets healthy he'll play and i so many people get talking about oh is he holding out is he not gonna go out there because of his knee um and the contract situation like is that playing a factor i said i don't think so i think he's hurt i think when he's healthy he's gonna go out there playoff time he's gonna play because they're trying to win a super bowl that is not the case clearly there is some disconnect we saw the contract that he was given to rokon swift I do want to point out, as many people have, people who know the cap smarter than us, said, look, just because they gave Rokon Smith that money doesn't really mean anything for Lamar Jackson because 
usually the first year salaries in a deal like the one Roquan had is so little that it really would probably wouldn't impact the salary cap for a Lamar deal. So I want to make that clear. But I think there is the optics of you just traded for a guy. The guy's been here for, for a cup of coffee and you just gave him a hundred million and said you're the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. Congrats. Like I'm sure Lamar did see that and said, that's interesting. Uh, you saw Lamar tweet out the, the tweet uh, in support of Shannon Sharp, who was talking about, you know, the contract situation and Lamar had to be careful about, you know, looking out for himself in the situation. He said, you know, Unk was spitting. So we know Unk is, of course, Shannon Sharp, who was on that uh, Fox Sports show and, and, he, and was talking about Lamar Jackson saying that, you know, he should be very careful about going out there. So Lamar's paying attention to everything. And then, you know, in a week where the, the Ravens have been playing coy about what his health situation was, he came out and said, let me be clear. I have an unstable knee. I wish I could be out there for my guys, but I can't. So he basically ruled himself out regardless of what the team was saying, which they had not ruled him out already. So there, there is some disconnect. There's something there. And I, this is the first time this week where I really felt, wow, it is a real possibility that Lamar Jackson is not in Baltimore next season. You know, I, I don't think that the team is going to be happy with how he handled this particular thing this week. And there are going to be teams that will, I think, fork over a ton, particularly the New York Jets <laughs> uh, as one team that would give up the farm for Lamar Jackson. And with the Ravens and where they are, I do wonder if they say, look, uh, we, we've rebuilt the defense into a strong defense again. Lamar is great, but we know how injury prone he is. Maybe we can come in go and get like a more uh a, a less expensive more durable op- uh option at this quarterback position and maybe we recoup a bunch of draft picks and fleece some team probably the jets uh, into into trading for him I, I really think that might be possible because otherwise i don't know why they wouldn't have just given him the money already yeah yeah um uh, I don't know, EJ. You think you think you you, you thinking Lamar is going to be a Jet? Is that the, is that the this thought? is the this is the most confident. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm confident in it, but this is the most <laughs> optimistic I'm. I am that the Jets have a real shot at Lamar Jackson than I've ever been. Like the the Jets to Lamar thing has been, or Lamar to the Jets thing has been something that Jets fans have been talking about. You know, since basically the off season of last offseason, but it's been like something in the ether because like no one believed that that was remotely possible. And I agreed with them. I thought that, that it was not remotely possible that Lamar would uh, would go. I thought that they would at some point come to some kind of contract agreement. There was no way they were going to let him walk in free agency. I know that franchise tag is a fortune, but I figured they'd give him that before letting him walk. And they very well might still. But just the... The, the price tag that comes with QBs, like we just saw what what uh, the Sean Watson went for in terms of trade value, and you see how crappy he looks. Like, the, like imagine if, if the Ravens could get that kind of package for Lamar Jackson, who's now coming off another injury. Now this one is a knee injury for a guy that runs. I could see them making a hard decision and saying, you know what, now's the time to hit the reset button. And especially when maybe you do hit the reset button, maybe next year not so good. And you go into a draft that has a lot of quarterbacks who say, okay, now we can take our picker of the litter of the quarterbacks in next year's draft and go for another young guy. It's just, The Ravens have options. They're not an old team by any means. They're a young team. So it's not like they're beholden to saying we have to compete for a Super Bowl in the next, you know, three years. They're not the Rams. You know what I'm saying? They're young at a lot of important spots. 
So I don't know what the rush is, and that's why. I mean, that's why I think those you have seen a rush from them mm-hmm. to say, here's all the guaranteed money. Now, I think they should have gave them to Lamar because I think Lamar is a superstar, and I just think letting go of superstar quarterbacks is extremely <clears throat> risky business. I say ask the San Diego Chargers when they when, when they were in San Diego and they let Drew Brees walk out the door. Like, just risky business. I don't care what your mm-hmm. contingency plan is. And the, the Chargers had a great contingency plan, and – they still gave up a quarterback who ended up winning a Super Bowl somewhere else. So I just think that's risky business giving up Super Bowl quarterback. We saw the, the Colts do it with Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, I mean, my Super Bowl, I'm a superstar quarterback, obviously. Lamar hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. But it's just risky business. I, I wouldn't want to get into it. I didn't want to sign my guy and then figure out the rest later. But I, I do think the Ravens are thinking about it, man. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I do too. I... I, I... I'm gonna be honest. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Lamar was on a different team next year. This just just the writing has honestly kind of been on the wall and just been getting bigger and big. The font's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as the see as the season has gone on. That there, like you said, there's a huge disconnect between the front office and Lamar. Lamar's a very vocal on Twitter. In front of like reporters and post game things and other things, he's been he's been clear. He's been vocal. He wants his money, right? Like he thinks he should be getting paid. He thinks you know he's got to look out for himself and his best interests, and that's totally reasonable. And everybody thinks that's reasonable, and it is what it is. And the front office is just like, well, you know. You know, this has been one of the been a very public, uh, slow parting of ways. But that seems to be what's happening. They're yeah. just they're not on the same page. It's very clear to everyone that they're not on the same page. Um, so you know, could a deal get done at the last minute? Absolutely. It just doesn't at all look like that's going to happen. So yeah, I think he's going to be playing somewhere else. I don't know where. Could be Jets. Could be, uh, you know, some other team. Any other team, I honestly, that needs a quarterback. Indianapolis, Atlanta. Indy, Atlanta. I mean, he could be any. He could go anywhere. Yeah, any of those teams that was trying to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, basically. They, all of teams could be. They all need a quarterback. Carolina. Like, any of those teams that was talking about, we want Lamar, uh, Deshaun. They could. They will just come around and give that same offer to yeah. to, uh, to Baltimore and say, hey, we'll bring Lamar in here. You know, do the Raiders get involved? You know, now that yep. they have, uh, you, know, they, you know, we saw Derek Carr have the – you know, it was weird the announcement they had today, where he, you know, thanked the Raiders organization and thanked the fans, and then his agent came out with his own statement saying, "Yeah, Derek Carr's career in Las Vegas is over." So, you know, the Raiders will be looking for a quarterback. So, this is a this is a quarterback market this year. There are a lot of teams like there have been years where there are, a lot of teams are set. This doesn't feel like that. The Miami Dolphins may be looking for a quarterback. Shoot, we don't know what what's going to happen with Tua Tagovailoa at all. Like. He has he had three concussions in one year. Two officially. One yep. we kind of know probably was a concussion. Like we don't know what his health situation is. He has an option year coming up after the next season. That if they don't pick up, he becomes a free agent. He essentially becomes uh, like a lame duck player, similar to what Daniel Jones was this year. Miami could easily say, "Yo, let's go with a guy who doesn't have the head issues." I, I mean, there's a lot of places that could be looking for QBs. So. um I think Baltimore understands that. I think Lamar understands that, which is why I think we may be seeing a, a divorce happening real soon. 
Big games, man, this week. I'm really excited for it, man. Playoff football, you got to love it. Playoffs? That's right, man. Playoff football is here. Um, and we'll be talking about playoff football throughout this uh, postseason here on New Generation. But let's shift gears and let's talk about the NFL coaching cast. So it was a rather generous Black Monday in the NFL because there were really just a few franchises who decided to hit the reset button and get rid of their head coaches. So in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury was handed the pink slip by the Cardinals. Steve Kime, their general manager, also stepped down from that role. So a full, hard reboot happening in Arizona. Both the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, and Kime out uh, in Arizona. Meanwhile, in Houston, Lovey Smith led his team to a, a win that cost the Texans the number one pick in the draft and then was fired a few hours later on Sunday. He didn't even make it to Black Monday. He was fired on Sunday night. They let that be known. They announced that then. Uh, it is the second straight coach the Texans fired after one season. I think it is important to note both were black. It is what it is. I'm not going to shy away from it. They, they fired two black coaches after just one year in a league that is being sued for racial discrimination when it comes to head coaching hires. So I just think that that is important as part of the story. Uh, the open head coaching jobs now are the Cardinals, Texans, to go along with the Colts, Panthers, Broncos. Sean Payton, former Saints head coach, Super Bowl winning champion. He is the biggest name available in this coaching market. He completed his first interview this Thursday with the Broncos. Mark Mass of the Washington Post reported that the Broncos appear to be uh, Peyton's front runner, which I think is interesting. I'm, I'm curious if I really believe that. I'm going to ask Shamari about it in a second. Uh, other lower positions, coordinated positions that are changing, I think are important. I want to make sure we, we point those out. So my New York Jets are parting ways with Mike LaFleur. They are very much embattled offensive coordinator. He is out in New York. Uh, Browns, D.C., Joe Woods, another embattled coordinator. He's also uh, fired in in, uh, in Cleveland. There have been some interviews happening for that role already. Brian Flores, the former Dolphins coach, the aforementioned leader in that lawsuit against the NFL, is interviewing for that uh, defensive coordinator job. Jim Schwartz also uh, interviewed for that job, former Lions head coach, former Eagles defensive coordinator. Um, also, some more coordinator jobs open. So Scott Turner in uh, in Washington, he was their OC. He's no longer their OC. He was let go. Ty Downing was fired uh, in Tennessee. He was a Titans OC. And uh, Liam Cohen, uh, he left the Rams. He was their offensive coordinator to go back to Kentucky, where he previously worked as an offensive coordinator. He has now uh, gone back to take back that job as offensive coordinator at the University of Kentucky. Meanwhile, uh, this Thursday today, as we record, the Patriots also announced that they are looking for a new offensive coordinator. Well, really, they were looking for a offensive coordinator. They technically, technically didn't have one, though Matt Patricia, we think, was calling the plays. It was very weird what's going on in New England. But uh, they're officially announcing that they're in the search for an offensive coordinator. I don't know if they put the job on LinkedIn Sham. Or if they put the job on Indeed, <laughs> but they, they let the people, they let the world know that they're posting the offensive coordinator job after having no offensive coordinator this past season. Surprise, surprise, that didn't work out so well for Bill and company in uh, in uh, New England. Also interesting that they they noted, which I've never really seen before, that they're working towards an extension with Gerard Mayo, who is the defensive assistant with the Patriots extremely highly regarded he's been in multiple head coaching interviews i think he's been requested for interviews even in this cycle i don't know if i've ever seen a a a team announce in a press release that an assistant coach is being they're 
working on an extension on an assistant coach. I don't know if I've ever seen, for a guy who's interviewing for other jobs. I've never seen that before. I don't know. I don't really know what to make of that, but that, that was noteworthy. I wanted to mention that as well. So, uh, not necessarily the biggest coaching carousel when it comes to head coaching jobs, but a lot going on. Shamari, I know I, we, we've been going up, going up and down that list of guys that are interviewing for certain places, guys that have uh, been requested by certain teams. Let's start with Sean Payton. You see these head coaching jobs that are available. Which one do you feel like is, is the one that he should go to, as you're hearing right now that Denver is his front runner? Um. So I mean I don't know about the the uh, um. So of course any whatever team he goes to is going to be a rebuild. It's going to be, you know, kind of start from scratch. Um. I mean I Denver seems like it's you know, I'm gonna be honest Denver seems like it's it's on the downturn. It's mm-hmm. kind of going downhill. Yeah. Um. I don't I don't think they have like a poor like front office otherwise or anything like that um but but i just think in terms of what they have given up to get pieces this year that just didn't work like russ and you know and and just just it just really like nothing on that team work yeah nothing, nothing definitely nothing offensively <laughs> yeah nothing offensively especially yeah it, it just didn't work and it's not getting better they don't have leverage things to give up to try to get things because nothing works. They don't have like picks. They don't. They don't have much of anything. So I mean, you're gonna. It's, it's an uphill battle for him. If I mean, if he wants to. I mean, if he wants to do that, it's uh, still wild. Me, it's right. It's still wild to me that they gave up <laughs> first round picks to get Russell Wilson. Like the yep. fact that like yeah, the man. Seahawks are gonna be drafted like in the top like five. Or whatever they drop. Yeah, they get. Yeah, they get. They have the fifth pick right now. And that's nuts to me. Like I know, like maybe at the time it didn't sound nuts, but like to think about that now, like you get a top five pick and you yep. got Russell Wilson playing the way he played this year, man, that that's that's rough. Telling that's you, rough. That's rough. Carroll, he knew, he knew, he saw it. He was like, yeah, no, yeah, you can, you know, it's been nice having you, Russ, and you know, he knew. And he was like, yeah, no, this, he's not going in the right direction. Um, but yeah, and, and I think I think the best place. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's for me, I mean, it's probably the best, the best outlooks probably, it's probably either Indy or Carolina, I think. Um, I think both of those teams have, have good pieces. And I think, I think those are, are good organizations and though I think the Colts in terms of the ownership situations is is a little is a little uh yeah I must say I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree yeah with the, yeah the Colts the Colts in their ownership situation yeah, I don't know it's a little uh it's a little I mean, up even and the down, Panthers but. I mean they gave I mean I know they have a now and I guess a new owner I don't know if you feel like I don't feel like I know enough about the Panthers yet I mean I'm, I'm glad that they realized that that Matt Rule thing mm-hmm. was a disaster but yeah, the rule thing yeah. didn't work out, but but I don't know. I mean, I just feel like I feel like the Panthers have a good base right now. I mean, I've watched. I didn't watch a ton of the Panthers this season, but what from what I saw, it seems like they have. They seem like a team that that if you give them a good coach, and they have like a solid draft, they're gonna they're gonna win a, a good amount of games next year. I like the way they finished the season. I, um, did. I did. So 
And even the games they didn't win, I saw they played for a lot of those games. They played hard. You know, it wasn't games where I was like, oh, yeah, this thing, they, they just rolled over. It's like, no, like, <laughs> um, and they, and again, they were not a great, they were not by any stretch of the imagination, a, a good team or a great team. This yeah, year, I but, mean, they did that after they, they lost Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, this team, you know, I think that team, I think that team is going to be on the upwards trajectory. Uh, so that's probably, I, I think that's more so what I mean is I, I think that's a situation where Sean Payton, you know, and some good picks can can turn that into a winning situation pretty quickly. And I think the Colts also have a good basis in the same in the same sense of a a good coach, a good stable, sound coach, and um, and some decent picks can turn that into a winning situation pretty quickly as well. I don't I don't think that's the case for I think Houston is just Houston. They just been they just. They're 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 a disaster. Yeah, they they got a long way to go. Houston's got a long way to go. The Broncos are going in the opposite direction, and I don't know what the deal is with Kyler. The Cardinals seem to be going in the wrong direction as well. It's just I'm, that I mean, I'm telling you, Sam. Situation I, is to get me, this this feels like one of the worst. That's why I'm so weird. That's why I'm I'm surprised that Sean Payton so badly wants to jump into this coaching pool. This feels like one of the worst years I've ever seen for. NFL job openings. Now, again, the playoffs haven't happened, so like we don't know if the Cowboys' job comes open. We don't know if the Bucks' job comes open, though. I don't know if Tom Brady's gonna come back anyway. Um, I guess in theory, there are some playoff teams that you could, in theory, see. Okay, maybe some of these jobs come open uh, that that we, we wouldn't expect. It was crazy to me that I don't know if you heard that rumor that Mike McDaniel was apparently on the hot seat going into that last game against the Jets, which is just ludicrous in my mind. Um, he won that game, so I I assume Miami is not a job that's open, but I guess I have to watch. I have to see. Um, like Brandon Staley's always been a little bit of a wild card in Los Angeles. You know, if they lose this game to Jaguars, do they look to shift gears? I don't know. Like, I'm very fascinated to see like what happens uh, in this these playoffs because the idea that Sean Payton wants to go to these sorry teams doesn't make sense to me. Like the Broncos, you mentioned, you have a quarterback who looks cooked. Um, the Colts, you have I'm no quarterback. You have the Colts, you have no quarterback. You have a running back who has talent, but as we know, running backs have a short lifespan, and it's not like Jonathan Taylor let the world let the world on fire this year. Um, they have a good offensive line, but the defense is slow in a lot of spots. The, the, the Colts need a lot of work, as we've seen this year. Um, Texans, <laughs> do we even have to say anything? I wish I had a, a laugh track here. <laughs> I don't have one lined up, but like, it's just a disaster. Nobody's really considering them. No, I, I do agree. That I think the Panthers may be a sneaky, better job than maybe people think, which is why I think Jim Harbaugh was interested in talking to them. Um, I do think that the new owner, David Tepper, is not Jerry Richardson. He made a terrible decision in his first coaching hire, but I, I do feel like he has invested in trying to make them a good team. Now, Will he or can he? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But I like what I've seen in terms of just like his creativity. I think like even being creative enough to try to say, hey, let's try this bad rule thing. I, I don't think it was a terrible idea. But um, the fact that it failed so badly does worry me. So I say TBD on what the Panthers job is. They also don't really have a quarterback, though. Sam Darnold actually looked a little okay as the season progressed. Uh, maybe he could, if he came in as a full starter with the full confidence of the team and a new coach. Uh, or maybe just they keep Wilkes. He played really well under Wilkes. 
and they get a new OC, like maybe you revitalize him. I don't know. Panthers interesting. And then you mentioned the Cardinals, where the Cardinals have the most intriguing talent of all these teams in Kyler Murray. He also has a torn ACL. So do you take the job and say, hey, look, I know first year I'm not going to have my quarterback. We're going to suck. That's fine. We'll have a top three, four pick. I'll, you know, cash that in with an elite player or maybe trade that pick to get a bunch of picks to kind of flush out this very old aging roster. I, I can see that. It sounds like they're going to trade uh, 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 Hopkins this offseason as well. That should get you a, a couple of picks here or there as well. I, someone may be looking to, to do like a fresh rebuild with a, a one. I don't know if I want to call Kyler a diamond, but one intriguing talent who has accomplished some things in the NFL, a proven commodity, let's say, is Kyler Murray. That is the one I maybe say, okay, I see someone maybe saying I'll take a flyer on that. But it's just, to me, all these jobs have just these obvious warts. And I'm not, look, it's the NFL. Most teams are firing their coaches because their teams suck. But it just feels like this year is, like, different. It just, like, to me, the Texans feel radioactive. The Colts kind of feel radioactive because of just how erratic their owner is. And the Broncos have a cooked quarterback. I like <laughs> I like the skilled players. I like their defense. But the quarterback looks shot to me. And you can't get rid of him. Like, you can't get rid of him next year. Like, he's his contract is so bad and they're so locked in. They're stuck with this guy. So, I don't know. The fact that I'm looking at the Cardinals and Panthers saying, hey, that might be decent. Uh, that says a lot to me. Why do you think that Sean Payton is interested in the Broncos if that is his top team? Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the 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 Broncos just seem like a winning organization. That is true. Um, and I also think their their front office is has recognizable names like uh elway and well i don't know if elway is he still part i don't think he's still well is he oh he's not i don't think so or if he is i think he's more like a figurehead now oh okay all right i mean is 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 lynch there no john lynch he's in uh no he's in uh, san francisco oh he's in san francisco right 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 um remember they got they got bought out by the waltons Oh uh, yeah, 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 the Waltons yeah, bought the, the Broncos. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's because the Broncos are just a winning organization. I think that's they seem like they and they've even though they're they they seem to be obviously going in the wrong direction. They like they they're a team that's like they're they're not attached to failure. Like it's particularly not for long periods of time. They get their stuff together, and and. I think I think that's I think that's the honest honestly I think that's the reason why I think that's the, I think that's the main reason. Um, well, it's funny you say that, Shaq, because so. I didn't even know the Denver Broncos uh, were named to front office sports as twenty twenty two best employers in sports. So mm, when it comes to just like the organization as a whole, and we've heard this a long for a long time for the Denver Broncos. That's why a lot of players, you know, towards the end of their careers, decide they want to finish their career in Denver. Um, and it seems like since the Waltons bought the bought the team, that that hasn't really changed in the year that they have been around. Even though they made a terrible decision with bringing in Russell Wilson, the Broncos have always been a first class organization. So I, I definitely think you could be right there on that. Even if their football personnel 
decision makers are unproven as of right now. So, yeah, I think that's probably it. I don't know. I mean, someone said that Mass was saying that he, he he's intrigued by the idea of working with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. All right, dude. Like, maybe. Like, the only thing I will say is Russell... Russell Wilson is probably the the closest comparison to Drew Brees that, like, Sean Payton could find. Like, another mm-hmm. undersized guy, right. a guy who he has to use gadget mm-hmm. plays to kind of, like, accentuate his talents. Like, to me, like, the reason why Russell Wilson was given a shot in the NFL was because of Drew Brees. Like, Drew Brees broke the mold saying, oh, you don't need a guy to be 6'5 to play quarterback. All right, let's give this Russell Wilson guy a shot. Like, Russell Wilson, he was drafted in the third round. He would have been drafted in the sixth round before Drew Brees came around and won a Super Bowl. So I think I wonder if Sean sees Russell and says, I can make this work in my offense, knowing that I know how to, like, figure out players who maybe, you know, can't see over the line as easily and have, you know, height issues. Like, I can easily overcome that. I I won a Super Bowl with a guy (laughs) who was six foot. Like, and and definitely don't have the wheel. Now, Russell Wilson, he he looked old even running this year. Now, some of that, I think, was because of a hamstring injury he dealt with, but... But, I mean, I think Russ with a bad hamstring runs better than Drew Brees. So now you got a running game of potentially also the, to, to account for in his offense. I think that's what he's looking at. I, though I, I'm still holding out hope that he thinks that one of these coaches is going to get fired. That's in the playoffs. Like, I really think that there's a shot that he's taking these interviews because he doesn't want to make, make it look suspect. But the fact that he lined up his defensive coordinator to be Vic Fangio and that somehow he'd want to go back to Denver – like, Vic Fangio's hated in Denver. Like, they're going to really go back. <laughs> the people that just fired him, he's going he's gonna to go back and be the defensive coordinator. Um, that didn't necessarily end well. That that seems very odd. Something just seems weird with that whole Peyton thing. And we know what happened with him and Tom Brady where they were allegedly trying to, you know, do that package deal in Miami. I just wonder if there's some other, like, package deal or some other underhanded thing that's happening that we don't know yet. Because these, te- these jobs suck. They just suck to me on the on the surface. Like these are the kind of jobs that some un like some unheralded or unproven coordinator takes. Like I, these aren't the jobs that a Super Bowl champion takes. But you mentioned the the, the Broncos in their first class organization. Denver is a beautiful place to live. Uh, that that could be a sway. That that could be the sway that maybe sends him in that direction. Um, any of these assistant jobs uh, intrigue you? Like 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 I, I think to me like the Jets OC job. Is one that you know. Of course, I'm gonna keep an eye on as a Jet fan, but us not knowing what's gonna happen with Zach Wilson, I guess. Though it sounds more and more like they're definitely gonna get like a veteran quarterback to start at least over Zach Wilson, if not to just get him out of here. Well, uh, I know um, Salah said today that the Jets will quote be very aggressive at quarterback, which. I assume would mean that there's going to be someone else. Like, I don't think you'd be very aggressive and say, or oh, be aggressive by bringing back Zach Wilson to start again. So the jet job seems interesting to me. I low key am interested in the commander's job as an OC because they don't have a quarterback, but we saw with McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and then way Brian Roberts can run the football. I mean, they have something in terms of skill players. They Absolutely. just don't have. They, I mean, their their offensive <laughs> scheme sucked. Like they don't have the offensive scheme. Like they were right to fire their their OC, and they don't have a quarterback. But it seems like they're going to be veteran quarterbacks on the board. Like, it, could you get a veteran quarterback in there that turns that thing around? Maybe. I don't know. Those two jobs are interesting to me. What about you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the I feel like the um I feel like the Jets situation is interesting. I agree with you. I think they have a very good running game, particularly when Brees Hall gets back. Um and I think that I think obviously they have some interesting pieces at wide receiver with Wilson and Moore. Um even Corey Davis I thought was playing a little better, a little better as well. So, I mean, I think the Jets I think the Jets have pieces that an OC would you know, a competent OC would <laughs> would be interested in. And I think they're I think overall they have a solid roster that can win um as well. Um so yeah, I absolutely think that job could be one that that is looked at. Um, and I mean, I I was certainly I agree with you. I certainly think Washington as well. Washington. Um, I mean, there were times where Heineke was just making something out of just making something out of nothing, like just out of just the talent <laughs> uh, that they had, like McLaurin just 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 catching something that he had no business getting. Or you McLaurin know. is like he's he might be the most un he might be the most unappreciated underappreciated wide receiver in the NFL. Probably, like he, I mean he's, he's he's ridiculous. He's one of the you can make the case he's the most valuable single receiver um, yeah, on a team his, in the yeah, NFL. Given his offense, yeah, yeah, uh, because th- that team wouldn't be anywhere if they didn't have him. Um, so yeah, so that I agree with you. That is another interesting job. Yeah, you know, I I I'll be out in the commanders. I think would be interesting in terms of what they do in the quarterback market this offseason. Before we get to the uh, college football situation, this Texans thing, man, shame on the Texans, man. Matter of fact, I'm gonna do the first thing I haven't done in a long time. I'm gonna give them a I'm gonna give them booze. We're, we're booing we're booing Houston Texans on this podcast. Man. I mean, look. Lovey Smith is not somebody I would have hired to begin with, but he seemed to be a guy that was probably on the way out of coaching, given just kind of how his career had, had gone. But, I mean, you go with David Culley, you have the whole DeMar, uh, the Deshaun Watson fiasco, you have this roster that's like not worthy of being an NFL roster, essentially. You put him out there and say, all right, go, go, go get him, Culley. And the team stinks, and they win what one game or however many games they we won, and he gets fired after one year. And you say, well, we had to fire him because we don't see him in the right vision of what we're doing. Even though your vision was to put out a team that was only capable of winning one or two games. Okay, fine. So then next year, you say, okay, we're gonna try to find a coach. You can't get any coach or assistant worth worth anything to really want this job. So you get Lovey Smith. Who again? Maybe a little older. Maybe on the side of of the of the tracks that you wouldn't expect in terms of a guy to rebuild a team. But I mean, that's what he was hired to do. That was his expectation that he was going to get a real shot because they didn't give Cully a real shot because they knew that that wasn't going to work. So they wanted to get this next coach a real opportunity. And you go with Lovey Smith, who's a who's a respected dude. This guy went to a Super Bowl. He's a pioneer. He's with, he's among the first African American coaches to ever coach in a Super Bowl. Him and Tony Dungy did it both at the same time. Um, he's been a DC for a long time. Like he's been like he's a respected dude. And you give him this job, knowing your team is once again a team that's probably winning one or two games this year, and he gets fired again. You want two years back to back, and both of them being black coaches, like. Shame on the Houston Texans, dude. Like, if you 
we all knew this was a stopgap job as soon as you hired these dudes. Nobody thought that Cully and Lovey Smith were going to get more than one year, yet you kept convincing us that you were going to give them a real shot. The only way to give them a real shot would have been to give them resources, give them time, give them a real vision for what you're planning. We don't know what the Texans are planning. Like, Do you have any idea, Shem, what the Texans plan is or how they're trying to approach the next three, four, five years? Like, I have no clue what the hell they're doing. All I know yeah, is they, no, they got Laramie Tunsil, and he's saying, pay me the most money of any tackle ever. And I don't know if they're going to do it. That's all. That's the only thing we know about the Texans is they have a great left tackle, and that's it. And they are, and Damian Pierce is a stud at running back. Besides that, they have not done anything. So for for a conservative to go up there um, and talk about you know when they asked him, I think a great question. Uh, you know, you know why should a black coach you know believe in what you're saying? Why should a black coach even you know interview with you, thinking that they're going to have a shot? It's a real question because it looks like you guys are just spinning your wheels, man. Like, uh, shame on the Houston Texans, dude. Like, again, I'm not some, like, Lovey Smith apologist or that. He, like, you think that he's, like, you know, like, the greatest NFL coach ever. But that man deserves a real shot if you're going to bring, bring him in after firing your previous coach after one year, knowing that you didn't upgrade your roster in a considerable way. To come back and say, nope, that other coach also is not worth any of our time because it's not our fault that we lost we only won one or two games it's that coach's fault that sucks man that that was totally uncalled for i agree i mean i echo everything that you just said i I don't agree with what the texans did um you know i think i think it's just you know to me you can kind of add it to the list of the of you know flores is just taking more notes he's just taking more notes you know, we've talked about this issue with black coaches in the NFL. Um, Flores and his and his uh, legal team have have you know listed uh, listed the situation and uh, talked about it publicly and and laid everything bare. Like this is just what the situation is. You know, there's evidence upon evidence upon evidence that you know these these coaches aren't really given a fair chance. Um. Or just aren't given any chance, you know. And then when we're not given a fair chance, they're like, "Oh, well, see, I mean, he he was there and he lost. So what, what do you want me to do about it?" You know. And it's just so. But yeah, it's a shame. You know, it's definitely a shame. I, you know, um, you know, all I can say is, and, you know, I hope he gets another shot. And what? And what? And at what point does Nick Casario? I said it's Caserta. My bad. I was thinking about my homie Greg Caserta. Shout out to him from CBS Sports Radio. At what point does Nick Casario have to sit there and have to answer for the fact that? He made two head coaching hires, and he fired them both after one season. Like, that also is frustrating to me. Like, this guy like this guy comes in. He says he has this vision to turn around the Texans, a team that is a laughingstock. And you are the general manager, and your first two head coaches, you fire after one year. Like, why isn't the, the McNair family bringing Nick Cassero in the office saying, what the hell are you doing? Dude, are they awake? Are they comatose? What the hell is going on over there? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's just it's just a mess. It's just everything goes on to the coach. He just tries to put everything on the coach. It's like, oh, the coach didn't. It's like, well, this roster is bad. How long is this roster going to be allowed? Yeah, how long is this roster going to be crap? When are you going to make sure we have a better roster? Um, You know, because it's not like it's not like we're losing, but we got a bunch of pro bowlers on on the team. (laughs) You know, like it's like, oh, well, the coaches can't make it work. Like, no, or got a bunch of rookie of the years or 
a lot of young talent that's obviously ready to win, but we yeah, you won don't three games. The right they won. They won three games with a three-win roster. I mean, yeah, basically, you know. So it's that's not what's going on. Um, so it's just it's just a poor leadership and evidence of a poorly run organization. I mean, there's, there's not, not much else that could really be said about it, and it's a sign that. You know, they're probably not going to win anytime soon, and it's, it's not going to be an attractive landing spot um, for any coach worth their salt. They drafted Derek Stingley over Sauce Gardner. That's on Nick Casario's plate right now. Stingley's a young player. I know he got hurt this season, but I'm just I'm just waiting for <laughs> Casario to be held accountable for anything, man. Like, Sauce Gardner is a freaking – he's going to make all pro. And Stingley, yeah, he's a fantastic player. Stingley, you know, very shaky in his first year. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that that that's a huge mistake potentially. And look, it, it's is it Lovey Smith's fault that he didn't draft he didn't draft uh, uh, Sauce Gardner? I don't know, man. That Texans thing is is messed up. It's messed up. Shout out to Lovey Smith. I, 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 you know, I, you know, you know me. Like I, I love those Lovey Smith teams when he was coaching the Bears back in the day. Like to see, like him get yep. embarrassed, and, and, and to me, like I don't. I hope he doesn't feel embarrassment. There's no embarrassment, um, you know, being freed from that terrible organization. But the idea that he could feel embarrassment for like how this went out and how this went down, it sucks. Again, this is a guy who's a pioneer. He deserves way more respect than that, man. Um, uh, shout out to Lovey Smith. In my opinion, that sucked. Yeah, Jim Moore said it best right there. That that whole situation with him and the Texans, man, not cool. Uh, but let's finish the show here quickly talking about uh, the bloodbath that was uh, the Inglewood uh, massacre, that you can call that national championship game, uh, as the Georgia Bulldogs repeated as the national champions of college football. They trounced TCU 65-7. to It's the most lopsided championship win in the college football playoff or BCS era. The Bulldogs were led by Stetson Bennett, who threw four touchdowns in the win. Georgia was able to hold TCU's offense to just under uh, 190 yards at 188 total yards of offense. They caused three turnovers against TCU's offense. Georgia is the first back-to-back national champion in the college football playoff era. And the last team to do that, Alabama in 2011 and 2012. Sham, are we witnessing the beginning of a dynasty with Georgia? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. absolutely. That's coming from a Florida fan. I didn't expect that. Um, okay. Well, I mean, look, I gotta, I gotta, I can't, you know, shut my eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I think Jermaine's it is like, what it is. Like, I don't care what my team are. I, I'm not going to cap on this podcast. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I gotta call it like it is. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, during the, you know, early, you know, during, while Kendall was growing up, he was a Celtics fan. And he's going to be like, Kendall, is this a, is Lakers team a dynasty? He'd be like, well, yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it is what it is. You know, it, it is what it is, and and um, that's not to say they they're not that they're not going to lose. I mean, I think if Florida can get a good roster going, we they they're beatable. But I, I think it's just, you know, you're seeing what you're seeing, and I and I think also the the, the I think them winning in this fashion is just going to cause more recruits to want to go there. So yeah, um, these kids growing up now playing high school ball now are looking at Jordan, and they're like, well, I got to go to Georgia. Like when, when I believe even we were watching. Um, one of the high school also yeah, games, we the guy committed the, to Georgia. Yeah, yeah watching the uh, uh, U.S. Army All-American game. Yeah, and the kid committed to Georgia. He had like 10 hats on his table. And he grabbed Georgia. 
And he's a junior. And he's probably, they say he's like one of the best juniors in the country or something like that. He's committed to Georgia already. And he's not going to decommit. So, and Kirby Smart is that kind of coach where he's a coach, again, the type of coach you want to run through a wall for. He's definitely that kind of coach. He's not, and he's not like Saban in that Saban's very much kind of like just very disconnected, he seems, yeah. at, least, at least on TV. I don't know how he is in person, obviously, but I mean, we've. I mean, uh, who was it? Uh, was it uh, Najee Harris? I mean, one of them said that. Like they said, he's like that. Oh, well, remember? Yeah, there you go. Somebody, somebody recently did a podcast right. this year about their their relationship with Nick Saban. They and, said that they, they feel like he he's like he thinks he's high and above everybody. And that's just how that's how it looks. You know, Kirby Smart looks like the opposite. Yes, he does. Which is very attractive, as you know, if you're an athlete. So. Yeah, I, I absolutely think it's the beginning of a dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that young man Peyton Woodyard uh, uh, of uh, Saint Bo- Saint John Bosco in California, kid's a four star, top thirty player in yeah, the country. He's a junior. wasn't even playing in the game, but he went there just to announce that he was going to be joining the Georgia yep. Bulldogs. That was before Georgia then put that beat down on TCU. Uh, it's so it, the Georgia thing's so interesting to me because I feel like. The other, like, dynasties or at least, you know, dominant runs we've seen in college football, it felt like the coach that was leading it just seemed like they had a bigger presence, like a a larger-than-life presence. We talk about Nick Nick Saban. We talk about Urban Meyer. Um, We kind of exclude Miami. Miami's like a a whole – that's like a whole different thing. Um, But you you see some of these coaches, you kind of think like, oh, these guys definitely like to put themselves in front of the camera – they definitely put on a little bit of a show. Like, Kirby Smart just seems like a like a ball coach. And I don't mean that, like, you know, facetiously the way, like, you know, n- you know, Spurrier would say he was a ball coach. But Spurrier was a lot of things. Spurrier was a, um, uh, a comedian. Spurrier was uh, a guy who liked to give his opinion. You know, Spurrier was a character. Like, there is no character with Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart literally just looks like a guy that's all about ball. Now, maybe he's different behind closed doors. But usually to get... This many great players to keep going to your school. Outside of winning, you need a little more than just being a great coach and winning a lot of games. You almost need a little extra, an uh, an aura about you. I never, I still don't feel like Curry Smart walks around or has this aura about him. At least from from me as a as a consumer of college football, but clearly he does with these kids. And clearly he does with how he's able to develop these kids as well. Because we talk about it all the time. I mean, Texas, you want to talk about recruiting stars. They got this, this, as much recruiting stars as any team in the country every year. And they don't put out the teams that Georgia puts out. You know, um, you can talk about your Florida Gators. You can talk about my Hurricanes. Like, there are other teams that are recruiting, maybe not at Georgia's level, but at a comparable ever, ever, uh, a level, sorry, that aren't even close to what Georgia's doing right now. So... It, it, it feels it feels like this could be the beginning of something bad for the rest of the of the college football landscape. It, it really does feel like I don't know where this Georgia thing ends. I mean, remember this defense is like young, but this defense is supposed to be the rebuilding defense. Like they're supposed to be better next year. Now they're gonna lose Stetson Bennett, but you know Stetson Bennett wasn't like a like this like blue chip like yeah, can't really miss quarterback not. to begin with like they don't they show they, they show they don't need that guy yeah like, exactly. they don't they don't need your i know he was a Heisman finalist but i mean come on he shouldn't have been um they don't need your this typical Heisman trophy candidate type quarterback to win a championship to win two back to back like that's that's insane like this this is going to be 
this is going to be interesting to follow how how this Georgia run happens. But it's just fascinating because when I think about you know Bear Bryant, um, Bobby Bobby Bowden, like think about the other like large in life coaches that you could say maybe you know at some point ran dynasties. Kirby Smart doesn't feel like anything like those guys, but maybe that's why these kids want to play for him. Maybe because they know that it's not going to be about the head coach. You know, it's like that uh that famous line from uh from uh from Suge Knight. You know, he's talking about, you know, you know, if you don't want it, the producer all up in the video dancing, come to death row, you know, talking about Puff Daddy and, and Bad Boy back in the 90s and that East Coast West Coast mm-hmm. rivalry. Like, I almost feel like every time I see Georgia talk, I'm almost waiting for Kirby Smart to say that. Like, you don't want to see your head coach all up in the videos dancing, you know, whether it's Brian Kelly actually dancing or like Nick Saban, who, you know, who he's, a, he's not a dancer, but he will love to get in front of a camera and talk about mm-hmm. how his team got robbed or how his team needs to do this or our team Can't needs to do that. Watch a football game without seeing him in some Aflac commercial. With yeah, or yeah, he's done every Aflac commercial. You know, like no, or you talk about again, coaches dancing. You know, Deion Sanders. You know, definitely a guy who likes the cameras. Like, I, I, yo, you want to come here? You want to go to the NFL and you want to win championships? And you want this to be all about football? This is the place to be. Like that seems like that's his pitch. And I feel like this is the first time it's working the way it should. Like, it, like I don't feel like this oh, this pitch has always worked with other coaches, but it just feels different with this guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he seems like a football guy, you know? And those guys always get the most out of their players. They always, always get the most out of their players. And, and even in his short interviews and stuff, he's not an X's and O's guy, but he knows football. He knows strategy. Like in the you know post game interviews, pre game interviews, halftime interviews, he lets you know like he's thinking about the strategy of the game at all times, right? He's, oh yeah, I mean this guy was this guy was Nick Saban's best coordinator. You know he knows yeah. football. He's strategizing. Yeah, you know, and, he, and you know he's not just some. He's not. He's not. He doesn't give you a McCarthy sense where he's just like he's just there, just kind of right. Like, he's not a fi- he's not a figurehead. Yeah, no, he's there. You know. And he's like getting yelling on the sidelines, telling guys where they really need to be, what they need to do, yeah. making smart plays, using his time management expertly. Yep. Very well run team. Just, yeah, just checks all the boxes. Yeah, he's a hell of a head coach, man. And the other thing, too, about Georgia is they also have an administration, a booster system, and a, and a fan base that is. Yeah. Hell bent on also staying on top. That's the other thing you need. And that's like all they care about in Georgia. Right, that's 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 so important. Like, because we say, how can a team stay on top? Well, there are a lot of things that have to happen. Like, USC could stay on top forever, but you know they got cheap and they couldn't, you know, keep their ducks in a row when it came to the NCAA, and they they couldn't keep their coach around. So then USC's dynasty ended. Like, having a, an administration, a fan base, a booster system that is committed to being. A dynasty in the way Georgia is so like this Georgia thing is so weird, Sham, because like Georgia, Georgia in some ways was like the SEC Clemson. Like Georgia, like always had like the talent and always like wanted to be great, but really like they only have I think one before this recent run of back to back. They only had one national championship. Like they always were looked at as a team that was kind of soft, that a team that never lived up to their potential, <laughs> like. You know, Georgia's always had great talent, but they 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 had all these years where they, they couldn't win the SEC, couldn't even win the SEC East. Like, not for lack of trying. Like, things are different now. And with this coach being this good, the players being this committed to his message, and that 
infrastructure being committed to wanting to be great, it's scary time. It's scary hours for college football with Georgia right now. I really do feel that way. The only thing that I think will give me pause in terms of what this means for Georgia in the future is what does happen if they run into special quarterback like a Vince Young, um, like a Deshaun Watson, the way Nick Saban has or Pete Carroll did. Like, Curry Smart has shown like he doesn't really value that that much. Like, he didn't, he let Justin Fields go out the door. Like, he like he let Justin Fields walk. And he, had, he had him on his team. Like, think about it. Like, think about it. Technically, Justin Fields could have been, like, the quarterback of Georgia those years when they were going deep into the comfortable playoff or, or, or having top 10 finishes in the uh, in the polls. Like, he's he's doing that without that. So, if he's – let's say he's not going to have that or he's not going to make that a priority. Like, what happens when they do run into teams that have the elite, elite-level quarterbacks? Like, he's got a four-star uh, sign next year, Ryan uh, Puglisi from 2024 class. Like, you know, a good player, but again, not like, you know, one, not the best quarterback in his class by any means. And let me see, in this year's class, I don't know if they have a, a, another a top quarterback. They have a, a lot of other great players. But, like, yeah, quarterback, I don't know if they even have a guy. Uh, they don't have a guy signed at quarterback. So, I mean, he, he almost seems, like, hell-bent to show that, hey, I don't need, like, these, like, you know, sometimes prima donna quarterbacks who come in and, you know, you, they demand the world. You got to give them everything. And they demand to play, you know, as soon as they get on campus. Like, he's showing, I don't need that. I don't want that. I wonder how, how long that can last. Like, can you really just get some transfer or some guy that was in JUCO or was a walk-on and give them the best athletes in the world and say, I'm going to win a championship with this guy? Can he keep doing that? He's going to try. He's going to have a shot because everybody's going to support him in that mission. It's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. But I think that's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode of Sports Talk, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And follow us individually on social media. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart, on Twitter. Actually, EJ on Instagram. Shamar can be found on uh, Instagram and Snapchat, MTShan22. That'll do it for now. For Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.